are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott and welcome to Great Men Back Then. Today we are going to talk about another great man in American history. His name was Ulysses S. Grant. He was the Union General during the Civil War. He led the North to victory and he was also the 18th President of the United States. As some may remember, probably not though, I did an episode on Grant about a year and a half ago, but today I will have a, a different focus um, on Grant. Uh, the first episode I did, I talked a lot about his personal life. I talked a lot about his relationship with his family, um, how he was a good general, a good president, and a good father and husband. And although I love the personal aspect of history, and that's one of the main reasons why I started this show, is to kind of give people a look into somebody's life beyond politics or historical accomplishments. Today, I am going to focus on Ulysses S. Grant in terms of his successes, his duty to his country, and also his humility all throughout it. And I will compare him to some other American historical figures that are well known and everybody knows about. But today we're going to focus on that. So we'll be talking about um, kind of his experience in the military, how he originally got involved in the military, and We'll be talking about his role within the Civil War and how he kind of climbed the ranks within the Civil War. And then we'll also be talking a little bit about his presidency and how it came to be that this humble man who came from um, a very modest family in Ohio uh, somehow became president of the United States. Most men and women attend military academies because they have a desire to become successful in the military, um, whether that's climbing the ranks or just being a person who is serving their country. They have that desire. So it may seem a little bit strange when I tell you that Grant actually had no desire to be in the military, despite the fact that he graduated from West Point Academy. In fact, it was actually not even Grant who applied to the military academy. He didn't even apply to West Point. It was his father who applied for the academy for him. Uh, Grant basically came home one day and his father um, informed him that he had applied to West Point Academy for him. And Grant was a little bit reluctant, but he had a desire to please his father and he also had a desire to travel. And he thought that even though it wasn't his first choice, uh, he would go ahead and go to West Point to please his father, and also maybe he would get the opportunity to travel. Um, and Grant's memoirs that he wrote toward the end of his life, he wrote, A military life had no charms for me, and I had not the faintest idea of staying in the army, even if I should be graduated 
which I did not expect. So this may seem a little strange to us because we remember Ulysses S. Grant as this great general during the Civil War. I mean, he's one of the people that we attribute the success of the North to the most. And he didn't even want to go into the military in the first place. And I think I will touch on this a little bit more, but I think we can already start seeing Grant's duty to America in the fact that he didn't really like the military life. It was not his first option. Uh, Yet, despite that, he served his country because he kept this belief mostly throughout his entire life that he didn't love the military life. And um, instead of pursuing a life of military, he had uh, a goal of becoming an assistant professor of mathematics at West Point. Um, after he graduated, he graduated uh, kind of average in his class. He was kind of a mediocre student. He didn't love studying and he didn't love reading the books that he was assigned to read. Instead, he would often go to the library and read novels that he was not required to read, but he he loved to read out of leisure. Um, but he he did really thrive in his math classes. And so once he graduated from West Point, he was obligated to serve in the Mexican-American War. But he didn't want to do that for too long because he didn't love being a soldier. And so he wrote to one of his math professors back at West Point and asked him if he could become his assistant. And this professor wrote back to Grant and had a very positive response. It sounded like Grant was going to be able to become an assistant professor. But unfortunately, with the Mexican-American War going on, he was no longer able to focus on his academic dream. Grant said, With a war in prospect and belonging to a regiment that had an unusual number of officers detailed on special duty away from the regiment, my hopes of being ordered to West Point as an instructor vanished. And so we see here that Grant did not get his original dream I guess you could say, of becoming an academic instructor um, because he had that obligation to fight in the Mexican-American War. And we also know from Grant's memoirs and then from other primary sources that Grant wanted to be in a career pursuing academics for a while, even when the Mexican-American War stopped him. And we know that even in the late 1850s, he was still kind of playing around with the idea of going into academics, but it was in the late 1850s that he completely abandoned that and decided that he'd been in the army too long and it was it was not going to work out for him to pursue a life of academics like he wanted to in the first place. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott, and this is Great Men Back Then. Today, we are talking about the 18th President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant. 
It was in 1854 that Grant finally resigned from the army and returned home to support his family, which at this time in 1854, it consisted of his wife and then two children. Grant kind of had a rough start um, after his retirement from the military. He really wanted to be a full-time farmer and basically support his family just by farming. Uh, But he had struggles doing this, and about four years later, he ended up completely giving up farming. Um, This wasn't because he was necessarily like a bad farmer. He was actually struck with fever, and this caused him to not be able to keep up with his farm, and so he eventually had to give it up. But the next few years consisted of Grant trying to find ways to make enough money to support his family. He started a real estate agency, um, but unfortunately, that also failed. And so he had no other option than to become a clerk at his father's business. And so obviously, we see here that Grant's main goal is to just live a life supporting his family. And he wants to be with his family. He missed them a lot when he was away in the military. And we have a lot of letters um, that prove that. He was very affectionate and he was always a man who would make time for his family. And so he was willing to go and become a clerk at his father's business because that meant that he could support his family and he could be with his family. Now, although Grant had every intention of living at home and being with his family, unfortunately, it did not get to stay that way when the Civil War broke out. Grant found himself in a situation he probably never thought he would be in. So the Civil War breaks out and there is a meeting at the courthouse in Grant's hometown in Illinois. And at this meeting, Grant is asked to lead it. And he was very humble about this. He even mentions that he was kind of embarrassed and shy about doing this. Um, and he he says in his memoirs, oh, I was probably only asked because I had some experience in the military. Like, it was not really a big deal. But basically, there's this meeting at the courthouse because they are summoning volunteers to go and fight in the Civil War. And something that makes the Civil War um, different than any other war um, that we've had in American history, for sure, is that all of the soldiers in the Civil War, at least at first, were volunteers. And they went and they fought in their communities. And so they got to stay together and fight with their neighbors and with their friends. Um, And that's very different, especially if we compare that to World War II, where about 90% of the men in World War II were drafted. Um, But if we look at the Civil War, um, I don't know the exact date. I want to say it was 1863. It might have been later than that. Um, But that was the first year that they implemented a draft. Um, And that's only because so many men had died in the war um, and and then entire communities were wiped out. All that to say, there was a meeting at the courthouse in Grant's hometown to call for volunteers to um, fight for the North in the Civil War. And so Grant is announcing this and kind of expects that he will announce this. And if people 
need to use his services. He'd be willing willing uh, to accommodate, but he doesn't really have any big dreams or big intentions of becoming like a man of high rank in this war. As Grant was leaving to return home, he was stopped by the governor of Illinois, Richard Yates, and he asked Grant if he would um, offer his services in the war. And Grant accepts this. And even though he was not planning on going back to the military, he retired in 1854, he realizes that his country needs his service. And Grant eventually becomes in charge of a large regiment of volunteers. And he is a very humble leader all throughout this. And he decides that he's going to fight for his country, even though this wasn't in his original plan. And so, of course, there are countless generals throughout American history who are driven by duty. Um, And so in that kind of in that respect, it doesn't make Grant really stand out. But what does make Grant stand out? It's not only his duty to his country, but also it's his humility. It's very rare to find somebody as successful as Grant and as devotion-driven as Grant and find them to be a humble person. But we see through his letters, we see through primary and secondary sources that he was a very humble man. Uh, We have a quote from the governor of Illinois, Richard Yates, the same governor who um, basically recruited Grant. And he said, in presenting himself to me, he made no reference to any merits, but simply said he had been the, the recipient of a military education at West Point. And now that the country was assailed, he thought it his duty to offer his services and that he would estimate a privilege to be assigned to any position what he could be useful. And so we have this quote about Grant from the governor of Illinois, who was the governor um, all throughout the Civil War and was one of the best governors um, throughout the nation. So I've read. Um, And so this is a huge honor for Grant. And it speaks volumes um, that the governor of his state would say this about him. And Grant made it clear to the governor that he was offering his services to the union because he had a duty to fulfill. And even when he was talking to this man in politics, he did not take pride in mentioning accomplishments, merits, or honors. And even whenever Grant later tried to achieve higher rank in the military, he never saw it as something he deserved or earned. Grant even says later that he felt hesitation Um, suggesting that he have a higher rank Um, and he felt doubtful whether he would be equal to the position even though he was most definitely qualified. This is just his humility speaking. Another fact that shows Grant's devotion to the entire United States. Although he fought for the North and was obviously fighting against the South, we have quotes from him talking about how he was fighting for both the North and the South. So whenever he was introduced to a former Confederate soldier who fought at Fort Donelson, 
He took this as an opportunity to express his outlook on why he fought for the North. Grant said, I honor all Confederate soldiers, as I do all brave, conscientious men. You were not at fault. Your leaders were. They knew that a Southern Confederacy was impossible and ought to be. I was fighting not against the South, but for it. In every battle, I felt a sympathy for you, and I felt that I was fighting for North and South, for the whole nation. So from this quote, we see that Grant was fighting to preserve the Union, and he believed that the only way that the Union could be preserved is that that slavery is to be abolished. And so his intention of fighting the South was not because he hated the South and he wanted to defeat them. Him fighting the South was out of his love for the South, and it was out of his love for the entire nation, and not wanting to see the nation be so divisive and be a place of division, but he wanted to bring the nation together, and he wanted to preserve the Union, and that was his intention for fighting the South. And I think even the American people saw this intention in Grant. When he died in 1885, there was an outpouring of grief from both the North and the South. The popularity and respect for Grant at the end of his life is further testament that his role during the Civil War was for the betterment of the entire nation. You are listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is Lauren Scott, and this is Great Men Back Then. Today, we are talking about the 18th President of the United States, Ulysses S. Grant. So Grant was obviously a very successful general. Um, It's clear that he was driven by devotion as a man who had no interest in the military, didn't even want to go to a military academy, ended up leading the Union in the Civil War, and then he was also very humble. We've seen how he was humble. And even one of the most famous and influential poets in America, Walt Whitman, had high praise for Grant because of his modest presence. Whitman said, The typical Western man, the plainest and most efficient, he was the least imposed upon by appearances, was most impressive in the severe, simplest simplicity of his flannel shirt, and his other disregard for formal military etiquette. So we see here that even even influential people in America, such as poets like Walt Whitman, saw the simplicity and the humility of Grant, and that Grant had no need to impress anybody. He knew that he was just trying to do what was best for America, and he had no interest in receiving high praise or recognition from anybody. I also want to talk about the significance of Grant running for president and also what running for president meant for Grant. So Grant decided to run for president not because he necessarily wanted to, um, but because he saw it as his duty. And um, it was it was definitely by popular demand. Both Democrats and Republicans alike wanted to see him as president. Um, and he ended up being um, a Republican president. But after the war was over, he was really enjoying spending time with his family. But after seeing President Andrew Johnson's reconstruction policies, 
Grant felt it was his duty to accept the Republican presidential nomination. Grant wrote a letter to uh, Commanding General William Tecumseh Sherman, and he said in this letter, I have been forced into it in spite of myself. I did not want the presidency, and I've never quite forgiven myself for resigning the command of the army to accept it. So we see here again Grant being driven by duty to serve his country. He didn't necessarily want to become president, but he knew that the nation needed somebody who understood them and who would lead them. And he was very much focused on the right kind of reconstruction, which he saw was not happening throughout the nation. And he believed that he was somebody who could further help preserve the nation by implementing good reconstruction policies. He was really hoping to move back to his farm in St. Louis after it was all over, after the war was over. Um, It was during the Civil War that he started buying more land around his farm in St. Louis, and he was hoping to kind of improve this property and become a full-time farmer after the war was over. So he started buying more land during the Civil War and even during his presidency. But during his presidency, when the Whiskey Ring scandal occurred, uh, too many of his friends were involved, and these friends were in St. Louis. He kind of gave up on this dream because he didn't want to move back to St. Louis and be near these people who betrayed him and who lied to him. And so this is just another example of something we see that Grant accepted the presidency out of devotion. And because of this, he was being selfless and he ended up not getting the life, the ideal life that he really wanted. Um, But he was okay with that because he understood that the American people needed him as his leader. He remained a humble man, and all he really wanted at the end of the day was to go home to his wife and children. And it's for all these reasons that I believe the 18th president of the United States was a great man. Thank you for listening to Great Men Back Then. I'm Lawrence Scott on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.